0: Hey guys, welcome along to the very first episode of Gunners of Malaysia. On this episode, we'll be covering Arsenal's victory in the FA Community Shield over Liverpool on Saturday. In part one, and in part two, I'll be answering some questions from my guest. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm delighted to welcome along on the very first episode a Liverpool supporter for the past 15 years, uh, on and off. <laughs> Emile Bernstein! hey! Thanks
1: very much, Ryan. It's my pleasure to be here on your very first episode. Hey, thanks for sparing some time, man. So let's let's get into it. How are things, Emil? Things are good. Things are good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they could be better. I mean, I know you know Arsenal did win last night, but it, it's okay. It's, things are good. Right. So
0: commiserations on the defeat. Yeah, it's all right. We we have plenty of silverware from recent years. So it's all right. Ah. Anyway. Arsenal beat Liverpool 5-4 on penalties after a 1-0 draw in 90 minutes. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the game?
1: So, to be honest, I do think that overall, you know, taking into consideration both halves, I do think Liverpool was just slightly the better team overall. But I do have to say uh, that Arsenal defended very well throughout the 90 minutes. I was impressed that they were able to keep up with Liverpool's attacks and, and deny space to the front three of Liverpool. So, overall, I I do think Arsenal deserve to win. Liverpool also deserve to win, but I'll give props to Arsenal. I'll give props
0: to Arsenal. They they, they played a good game. So, coming into the FA Community Shield, uh, Arsenal only played one friendly against MK Dons, and Liverpool played two games against Stuttgart and Salzburg? That's correct, yeah. Right. So, I think overall, the game on Saturday had a very friendly-like atmosphere, would you say?
1: Y- yes and no. I think it was quite competitive, uh, in a sense. I think Liverpool wanted to win. I think Klopp wanted Liverpool to win as well, and at least for Liverpool to play a better game than they did. Um, but it wasn't, you know, as serious as some of the
0: Premier League games that Liverpool played towards the end. Let's segue into the starting eleven. Okay. Uh, Arsenal started off with a back three, which I think was pretty much expected, uh, since they were playing a better side. I think this is how Arsenal going to be lining up against. Uh, Better opposition, I think, because it gives us a little bit more solidity at the back. Uh, for Liverpool, were there any surprises in the starting lineup? I wasn't so
1: surprised that, that Klopp started Nico Williams because I think he's trying to give Nico some experience. He's he's very young at the moment and it's important for him to develop as a right back in, in so that you know there can be a good substitute in place of Trent, when when it's necessary, so I wasn't I wasn't too surprised now,
0: by by the starting eleven. So first half, I don't think there was many incidents in the first half except for in the sixth minute, Van Dyke from a set piece offside. I know VAR checked it pretty fast, but what's what's your take on the incident? I I mean it was it was uh, a pretty
1: straightforward incident. I mean it, he clearly was just uh, like half a yard offside. You know, it was a bit disappointing that he basically stood in an offside position as the free kick was being taken. It's probably a better idea to start half a yard onside and make the run as the free kick's being taken, in my opinion. But yeah, it was still it was still a good delivery and, and still a good opportunity um, for, for Liverpool, I think.
0: Well, from an Arsenal perspective, I think that... For me, when I was watching, I think that was, you know... Alarm bells, you know, six minutes in, free kick given, a stupid foul by David Luiz. You know, writing was on the wall for a proper smacking that day. (laughs) A proper smacking. But yeah. Anyway, Arsenal, I think after that point, really solidified. I think uh, defensively, we continue the theme of being really solid at the back from, you know, the FA Cup Cup semi-final against Man City. As well as Chelsea in the final, I thought we were much more solid as compared to you know when we were under Unai Emery. Uh, but anyway, six minutes later, Aubameyang, brilliant curler bottom corner. I
1: mean, I mean it was the whole play the, play, the play out from the back, and then I think was it was it Saka with the with the delivery to Bamiyang on the on the left wing, and then I mean it was disappointing to see Niku Williams give up the right the right the right uh, footed shot, but yeah, have to give props to Arsenal. It was very well played. I think
0: uh Williams's inexperience there was really showing. Yeah, I mean he he, you know, it was too easy for Aubameyang to just cut inside and it's right, beautiful goal. Yeah,
1: he 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 will learn. He's he's a very young player, so he will learn to, you know, direct players onto their weaker foot in time, but that that's just the risk that Klopp takes by, you know, pl- starting these younger players, giving them that experience, but you know, there's a
0: give and take, you know, sometimes there will be these mistakes that happen. I think he Pretty much grew into the game. I don't think he really let anyone else skin in that easily after that point. So I think yeah. good signs.
1: Yeah, I think he was substituted after maybe sixty minutes. Um, but so it was. It was a good showing. He he did have some some playing time in the in the offensive third of the pitch as well. Um, I think he he does show show some promise in that area. Um, but yeah, so definitely some work. Um, Uh, A long ways to go uh, for his defensive game, I
0: think. Right, so I I also wanted to ask, right, does Alisson look really awkward when he's playing out from the back? I I think some of his passes, you know, during the game just seemed a little bit too forced at times, and he didn't look that comfortable.
1: I will say, as a a Liverpool fan of 15 years on and off, I will say that Alisson's play from the back is... a a ways better than some of the goalkeepers we've had in the past. I mean... Excluding maybe Reyna, I mean, you know, Carrius, Mignolet, both of them have had problems in the past as well, playing out from the back. But I see what you mean, sometimes Allison does look a little bit pressured. Uh, but I'm not too worried about it, uh, to be honest, just because our whole defensive line is very composed usually. And Allison hasn't really made that many grave mistakes. In, in general, I mean, Alisson, he, he's... A great goalkeeper. I can't, I can't be mad at, at you know, one, one mistake or two here and there over the course of the season.
0: Right, well, other than that, I think it was a fairly quiet first half. Uh, just before the end, though, there was a very good cross from Robertson from the left-hand side, and uh, Mane flicked it, uh, flicked it on. Van Dijk at the back post. Just missed. Yeah.
1: If he was more ready for that, there, there's so many. There was also one opportunity, I think, where Salah could have gotten in if he had just made the run a little bit earlier on the, on the far post. I mean, it's a bit easy to say as a, as a fan looking. It's a bit you know, easier said than done to execute that kind of run
0: in the far post. But yeah, definitely a couple of good chances missed uh, throughout the game. Well, fr- from an Arsenal perspective, I think Salah was insignificant in the first half. You know, we didn't really see him on the ball. He didn't make any runs. Yeah. Link-up play was... Minimal at best, you know.
1: Very true. Very true. And I, again, I have to give credit to the Arsenal defenders. They, you know, Salah isn't the easiest player to to render insignificant. So it's you know, it's
0: impress. It was impressive. It was impressive. Arsenal set up really. Was, Arsenal had a really structured defence. I think two banks of four. You know, they're looking for the counter attack basically in the in the first half. I think we did that fairly well. And Katiya had a few chances here and there, but I think you know. It, clearly his finishing isn't quite as good as Aubameyang's yet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, he's still young, you know, and he's technically our, uh, you know, third choice, second-slash-third choice in the striker's position. So, you know, got to back the player. <laughs> well, anyway, that, that was the first half. Very uneventful, besides Aubameyang's goal. Uh, second half, I think Liverpool started off much more on the front foot. Uh, we could see that their link-up play was much, much better. I don't know what Klopp said in the dressing room at halftime, but
1: in my opinion, I think it's partly to do with Arsenal's sort of fatigue setting in, because you could tell that as the half was going on, Liverpool was able to pile more pressure. Um, you know, Arsenal sat, had a had a, a deeper line, or what's it called? Like a, a low they were set de- a low defensive line, up. a low defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so Arsenal's defensive line started to drop as the half went on. Uh, there was less pressure on the ball, and so that allowed people like Minamino and also Salah at times and Keita to sort of give and make some give and go moves. Um, yeah, but again, Arsenal was able to absorb that pressure, and you know, only conceding one goal in that second half was again uh, against the odds, I think.
0: Yeah, well, that that's a very good point. I mean, fitness is definitely an issue with Arsenal. We we really didn't seem as compact as we were in the first half as the game drew on. In the second half, Mane two big chances. First in the fifty fifth minute. I mean, he's straight on goal. You know, he gets goal side a defender, only Martinez to beat. It was a very good stop by the goalkeeper, but I think it's also poor finishing by Mane.
1: Very true, very true. And then also in the final minutes, M- Mane got a hold got on the end of the of the cross but took one touch too many. Definitely should have just gone with the, with
0: the one touch and finish. Exactly. Thankfully, he didn't, because that, that was a very heart-in-mouth moment for me. You know, watching the game next to my brother, who's also a Liverpool fan, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, no, de- definitely a player of Mane's quality. Nine times out of ten, at least, that should be a goal.
0: Yeah, well, I think for everyone else in the Premier League, we hope that Mane keeps up with this form, because he, he's a terrifying player to come up against. Uh, so, anyway, mino, he scores in the 73rd minute. I think that, that was a glimpse into Arsenal's lackluster defending at times. I mean, it, they showed it in glimpses back then. I think it was far too easy for them to, you know, play the give-and-go, you know, for Liverpool to play the give-and-go with each other. The front line looked way more active. So, th- there was appeals for handball in the build-up. What did, well, uh, yeah. did you...
1: Uh, looking at the VAR, I know it was a quick VAR check, but I did think that it w- definitely was not clear that it hit Salah's left hand, and so was it? Was it Salah? It was, or was it? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't clear to me at all that uh, it hit Salah's left hand, and you know the rules with VAR is that if it's not a clear and obvious mistake, then the initial decision goes ahead, and so I I, I think I see why the VAR check wasn't. You know, such a very such a long process.
0: Wow. I mean, from what we saw last season, I think, I think it deserved at least a little bit more of a look-in. I mean, they completed the check really fast today. So hopefully, I mean, this is a theme that's carried out throughout the season, and we don't get any more you know, uh, controversial decisions by VAR.
1: Yeah. And I, as a Liverpool fan, I mean, I think I'm not alone in saying that I'm happy that Minamino has finally gotten his first goal. I know he's only had maybe 10 or so appearances but i think liverpool fans were very hopeful when he was first signed for you know a a true attacking threat whereas in my opinion so far he's been relatively insignificant he hasn't made so much of an impact on really any of the games that he's played in uh but today finally he was truly active enough and you could see that and, you know, the, dro- the ball dropped very kindly for him and he was able to slot it away with a lot of composure. So, very happy to see that and hope that it gives him the confidence in, in future matches.
0: Right. So, anyway, from, since last season, I think Arteta has a... Arteta has this tendency of throwing on subs pretty late in the game. Uh, however, the subs that came on, you know, Joe Willock, uh, Rhys Nelson, Galazinac... I think they gave Liverpool a little bit more in the final ten minutes or so of the game. Uh, I don't know where this thought is going.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think those substitutes were important just because uh, you know in in those in that period between the 70th, 70th and eightieth minute, especially that's where Arsenal was. Truly, like on their back foot, and they were really, you know, well and truly struggling. So I think those substitutes were crucial for Arsenal to just be able be able to hold out and not concede a second goal. So, yeah, props to Arteta for those substitutes, and I do think, as you said earlier, that Arsenal's condition needs, needs to be improved. Uh, you know, if Arsenal can make some one or two key signings of truly, you know, athletic players, people who can last 90 minutes. Um, a little bit better, I think that would really help Arsenal next season. Well,
0: just to round off the second half, um, Joe Willock had a, a free header in the box, 85th minute. What a big chance that was. That really, that really, yeah, true.
1: At least, you know, hitting the target would have been, you know, obviously ideal.
0: Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a very big chance, free header. Well, okay, so after 90 minutes, straight to penalties... When was the last time you watched a penalty shootout for Liverpool?
1: Long time. I think I, I don't really actually remember when the last time was for Liverpool.
0: Well, I was quite excited because the last time I witnessed a penalty shootout for Arsenal was the 5-5 in the League Cup. Oh, yeah. That was a terrible day for Arsenal. But but having said that, I think 9, yeah, just nine out of 10 penalties on Saturday were top class. Yeah. Really top class. And I think as a neutral, you feel kind of bad for Brewster. That was a bad miss.
1: It was a bad miss, and you do feel for him because obviously that's a tough one to take as a a youngster trying to make his mark on on the league and on competition play. But I, I, I hope as a Liverpool fan that he will use it to motivate himself rather than, you know, bring himself down. I think, yeah, experiences like that either make or break you, really.
0: Yeah, and obviously the last penalty had to come down to Aubameyang. Slots it away as cool as you like to win the cup for Arsenal.
1: That, I will say that was very impressive. I mean, just inside that right-hand post. Uh, yeah, I don't know too many players that would be that calm in that situation. Um, yeah, it was impressive.
0: Aubameyang has the composure, I'll give him that. Uh, so just to cap it off, that was the... The rundown from the FA Community Shield. So, Emil, well, I know that's pretty much Liverpool's first team, but any concerns for you going into the new season?
1: I would say my big concern is that, you know, Liverpool haven't really made any significant moves in this transfer window, whereas uh, Chelsea have, uh, specifically have been making some big moves. And so it'll be interesting to see how Chelsea's players can integrate with, with each other. And to see those, you know, first 5-10 matches, to see who, who gets the upper hand and who gets that initial lead. Because, yeah, basically as a fan, I'm hoping that Liverpool, you know, keeps their foot on the gas. It's not easy, having played two very grueling seasons the last two years, uh, to keep, you know, pushing on that pedal. But, yeah, I'm, ho- I'm still, I'm hopeful. I'm definitely hopeful to, to see some good football next season from Liverpool. All
0: right, let's leave it there for part one of the podcast. Uh, and in part two, we shall answer a couple questions that we have for each other. All right, so now I'm going to have to press you for your top four teams for this coming season. Who do you think is going to win it? So the top four to me is actually pretty straightforward. I think it's going to
1: be Chelsea, Liverpool, and the two teams from Manchester, Manchester City and Manchester United. Uh, In terms of who wins it, that's a tough one. I think it's it's gonna be between Chelsea and Liverpool next season. Yeah. I think I, I you know Manchester City is a great team, but I do think that there are a few players on the team. I'm thinking of De Bruyne in particular, who are a little bit frustrated with their lack of success in, in you know the last year or so, year or two even. Uh, I think they will struggle to avoid slip ups. Throughout a th- you know a long thirty eight game season, whereas Liverpool and Chelsea, I think they have a very very solid lineup coming into this next year. If you are you gonna push me on who's gonna win? Yes.
0: <laughs> well, as a Liverpool fan, I am gonna say Liverpool. All right. Well, that was hard to get out of him. and He <laughs> says he's a Liverpool fan for the past fifteen years. But anyway, I, I do have to I do have to slip this in. The biggest news in world football right now. Messi from Barcelona, if he goes to Man City, will that change your mind?
1: Yeah, it probably would change my mind. (laughs) It probably would change my mind. I think Lionel Messi going to Manchester City. I mean, depending on, you know, how they can work out the contract situations. If they have to lose, you know, a couple of players, it would depend on that, of course. But, I mean, Messi going to that line-out would be pretty scary, I'm not going to lie. I... I think Messi going to that team will give them a lot of confidence. It will give all the players a lot of confidence. So it would be it would be tough to stop. I I don't imagine too many teams being able to stop them. Truly, I because I have watched it quite. I did watch quite a few Manchester City games throughout this past season. De Bruyne's ball. I mean, he he, he had what eleven, twelve assists, but he could have had at least. You know, at least 10 more, probably. If, if, you know, people like Jesus and Sterling were a little bit more clinical in finishing, De Bruyne's passing is quite something. Okay, so speaking as a, as a, a very minimal watcher of Arsenal, I mean, I, I, you know, very rarely watch them, to be honest. But I would say that Ars- to, for Arsenal to be a truly top contender, you know, where they should be in the top four or five teams... They do need to bring on a couple more, you know, truly special players. Uh, you know, people who can play multiple roles, make a really significant impact. So, I mean, uh, you know, I do, I, I, I've heard about the recent signing of Willian. Do you think that Willian could be um, a key player
0: for Arsenal next season? He had a very good season with Chelsea last, last year. Uh, hopefully he can carry it on. You know, he, from what I've seen, you know he causes problems for, you know, for every team that he plays against, and um, the most like I mean, where should I even go with this? I don't even know. Do you think he's gonna be any good? I don't think so. I hope so. Can I just leave it at that? Yeah,
1: I think if he does that, it would it would definitely give Arsenal an edge over a lot of teams at least. Yeah, he's-
0: yeah, he's, he, from my understanding, he signed a three-year contract on some absurd wages, which I, I'm not very, I'm not a big fan about, but it's not much I can do about it. I mean, you just got to support the player at the end of the day. So I think, all in all, just hope that, you know, he can produce the goods. Yeah, yeah. So that's, the- that, that's the thing about, you
1: know, even even these like professional commentators that, that you know, analyze the games, you know, when Arsenal, you know, lo- lo- if they lose really badly and, you know, they make a defensive blunder and lose 2-0 or whatever, you know, pe- people are very quick to, to talk about their defensive lineup and how they're just not good enough to, to basically play um, top Premier League football. But then a game like th- like last night's match against Liverpool, people then start to say, "Oh wow, this could be a great season, like, upcoming season for Arsenal." They they won the FA Cup and now the Community Shield. Um, so I think that <laughs> sometimes fans are a little bit quick to go one way or the other. You know, they're you know it's a long season, and it's very hard to predict what will happen. I think if I was an Arsenal fan, I would just be hopeful for you know some
0: competitive some more competitive football than than what they produced last season on the defensive uh, topic of defense i think for the upcoming season it's going to look i think it's going to look quite interesting because we just picked up uh, andreas Georgeson from brentford he's a set piece specialist you know he's he's transformed brentford uh to be fairly solid in you know on set pieces they're very dangerous Attacking place. so I, I think the moves and what we've seen in the semi final, the final of the FA Cup bodes well for the Arsenal defense. Uh, obviously, the players that we have in defense are questionable still. But I think Arteta has put in place what he needs to sort the defense out. Obviously, some we have like something ridiculous like nine central defenders at the club. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's just stupid. The amount of defenders that we have, so we do have to ship some out. Uh, we are, I think, we are about to announce the signing of Gabriel, and from all accounts, he does look like a, a decent defender. William Siliba has just come from Senetien, and from pretty much all the news outlets, you know, he's he's going to be a solid defender, but he's only 19, so one to watch out for. So one, so one question for you, Ryan. Mikhail Ateta, do you think he has uh,
1: a strong future at the club in, in the next few years? Do you think he makes a, a good impact on,
0: on Arsenal's future? Or do you think that he, he leaves after one or two years? Just looking at it, I think he, he's a great signing. I'm pretty glad we didn't go for him when Arsene Wenger left. I think it wasn't the right time for him to come into Arsenal. And we did need Unai Emery to come in and unfortunately bring the club to where it ended up. But uh, that extra year with Guardiola, I think it really helped him. Um, you know, within his first year, he's got two pieces of silverware. That has to bode well for Arteta. You know, his first managerial job, and he's got two pieces of silverware, FA Cup, Community Shield. You know, so it's looking bright. Uh, however, I will caveat that with, you know, if he does really well, I don't know how long he'd be able to stay at Arsenal. At Arsenal. Uh, because... You know, if he continues on this trajectory, I think other clubs, other bigger clubs, might come in and just take him off our hands, which is a very big problem for Arsenal no? because he, he's solid tactically. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see it from his games. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a clear vision of what he wants to do. Uh, he's the complete opposite of Unai Emery. You know, he, Arteta isn't exactly a manager like Arsene Wenger, but it's a hybrid between a head coach and a manager. Under Emery, oh, that was dark days as an Arsenal supporter. I mean, we've gone through the you know the trophy drought, but this was on a different level. You know, losing in Baku to Chelsea, the capitulation end of the season, you know, the list goes on, even though he was there for such a short period of time, you know. Um, but overall, I think, I think Arteta, and I, I certainly hope that Arteta will have a long and successful career at Arsenal. And I think the writing's on the wall, you know. His biggest problem would be, you know, shipping out the players that he doesn't want and getting in the players that he wants, which I think every manager has that problem unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, we like again, we have like nine central defenders. We need to get rid of some of them, you know. Yeah, one question about the central defenders. So nine nine of
1: them. Is David Luiz really one of the two best well, central
0: defenders you have? We have? Well, okay, so so we have Luiz, we have Socrates, we have Holding. We have Chambers, uh, Mavropanos, uh, Pablo Marie. Who else am I missing? <laughs> William Saliva. Uh, I mean, that's seven already, you know. Not,
1: not really a recipe for success to have, you know, nine Lesbianas, not
0: world class defenders, and seven of them constantly not getting playing time, essentially. Yeah, well, Mavropanos as well coming in, that's eight. And then if the signing for Gabriel comes in, that's nine central defenders. I don't think... I hope, you know, some of them leave. I mean, Luis can't leave because he just signed a new contract, which is baffling. I mean, he looks very solid in the back three, but in the back two, you know, that, that's when, you know, yeah. I mean, that, that's when you really, you know, your, your heart's in your mouth every time he's on the ball because he does not look solid at all in the back two. Oh, sorry, back four. I mean, to me, when I think of, you know, centre-backs, I, I
1: think of, you know... Big, strong, fast, like super, super athletic. And when I look at David Luiz, yeah, he has good defensive instincts, most of the time at least. But he's not super athletic, in my opinion, and he's not super technically skilled either. So I don't really, you know, see him as a very strong defender to go up against. Like if I'm whoever, if I'm Mane, if I'm... uh, Jesus, whoever, whoever he's going up against, I, I don't, you know, see him as a super challenging
0: defender to go up against. I think, I think if he's up against pace, he's definitely a liability. I mean, we've seen that at Liverpool, you know, he, and... Oh, sorry, where else did he get sent off? He got sent off last season against City, just after the restart. But yeah, if, if Luis is up against pace, you know, that that's when... Yeah, there's quite a lot of pace in the league <laughs> to go up against. Yeah, well, when, when Lewis is up against pace, I think that's when, he's, when, when his weaknesses are truly exposed. Uh, in a back three, that's, it's okay because he has Tierney next to him. Uh, probably Rob Holding. Ex- sorry, Rob Holding's going out on loan to Newcastle, so I don't think he's going to be there this coming season. But if Saliba is going to be playing next to him, I think that's you know ad- adequate cover. Maitland-Niles, if he stays, he's a very athletic player. He can cover for you know any mistakes at the back. Uh, but Luis, you know, when he when he arrived, I think it was more for leadership because you know every every year Arsenal lack like leadership. He brings bags of it. You know, international experience. He's won some major titles in his career, and I think that's invaluable to Arsenal. And that's I think that's why they signed him on for a new contract. But Clearly, his strength is just uh, the long balls. You know, he can ping a long ball from defence. You know, unlocks Aubameyang from the wing. He cuts in from the left wing into a central position. And he's straight on goal. I think that's that's his biggest strength. Organising the defence, I... Questionable, I guess. Especially from last season, I think it's definitely questionable. But, you know, he does have some qualities there. On the topic of central defenders, we do have nine at the club. One's out on loan. Papapanos is out on loan. One is potentially coming in, Gabriel. Uh, So we have seven at the club. Now, Luis and Pablo Murray just signed a new contract, so they can't technically leave. Well, they can, but I don't think they will. It's unlikely. And we have five left over. So I, I think Socrates, I think that's it under Arteta because he only featured maybe once or twice after the restart, which baffling because I think he's a decent defender he's not as bad as people make him out to be Uh, you know Holding I think he's very unlikely Holding I think he's very unlucky with injuries I think honestly Holding is a very good defender whether he's you know Arsenal quality defender Arsenal quality you know whether or not whether or not Holding's world class I don't think so, but I think he's a very solid defender. You can definitely see him in a, you know, top eight side featuring every week. Uh, you know, obviously injuries have played a significant, uh, had a significant impact in his development uh, and his playing time. But I'm a big fan of Rob Holding, and, and because I think he's going to go out on loan soon, I think that would do him a world of good. Uh, Mustafi, I think Mustafi, you know, he has his moments. He's very good in the air. I have to say, you know, when a set piece comes in, you back Mustafi to win the header. But after the header, that's when he becomes a liability, which is so unfortunate, you know. You want him to do well. There's so many instances where you're just like, please stay on your feet. You can defend. You you got this, you know. But, you know, he has one year left on his contract. He unfortunately sustained a very bad hamstring injury uh, just before the FA Cup final or the semi-final, TLN last season, uh, which... I think would have impacted a move elsewhere. So I think he will stay for his last last year and leave on a free. I think that's how it's going to go. But yes, Mustafa, I, th- I would like him. I think his time at Arsenal is up. Uh, Chambers, Chambers is another defender I really like. We signed him from Southampton as a right back. But clearly he's a centre back. I mean, he's played in... Defensive midfield, but I don't think that's his position as well. An ideal centre-back pairing of, you know, Holding and Chambers, I think that looks fairly solid on paper. But for some reason, it just didn't pan out. Whether or not he needs another loan out from the club because he can't get regular playing time, I think that would do him a world of good. So that's, out of five defenders, that's two out on loan. Who else have I... Who else have I missed out? Oh, Saliba. You know, he, he, well, he's not going anywhere. He just He's just come in. Uh, shall, we, shall we have another question? What, what, is one posi- what is one position that
1: you think Arsenal needs to sign someone to improve their play in, in one specific area of the pitch?
0: First of all, we, we are hampered by the financial situation. I mean, still, since you know, the league went on timeout, we're the only club to take a pay cut. I mean, the, the only club that has to do that. But yeah, definitely the, the financial issue... It's a financial issue whether uh, whether or not we can bring new players in. Uh, there have been links to Thomas Partey from Atletico Madrid. I'm not really sold on on him. I think Lucas Torreira is a, a brilliant player. I'm not too sure why he hasn't really featured that much after coming. I know he had a you know he broke his ankle essentially, but I think he's he's a very good uh, defensive midfielder. Uh, but it also depends on who goes out from the club. It's quite obvious that the club's trying to get rid of Matteo Ganduzzi. You know, he hasn't featured since losing to Brighton. You know, he's pretty much been in trouble since he's come into the... Well, since Arteta has taken over, you know, in Dubai, he's acted up. After, you know, Project Restart, he's acted up again and he just completely was omitted from the squad. So I think Arsenal really want to get him out of the club. At the same time, I think Arsenal are fairly open to letting Torreira go to get some money back. I think that... Since he's been here, there's been constant links back to Italy. So I think the club will be fairly open to selling him. And if that happens, I think a move for someone like Thomas Partey would, would definitely work. Up front, we still don't know what's going on. So in terms of our forward players, I think Pepe is untouchable. Purely because of, you know, he's just come in, he's just adapted. I think there's a real player there. Uh, But Aubameyang, I think he he should be signed. I really hope he signs a new contract soon enough. There's a lot of talk that he will. Uh, So, yes, once he signs that contract, he's untouchable. Lacazette, on the other hand, I think uh, Arsenal would be quite happy to sell him if a right offer comes in and Ketia as well. I don't really think the club would be so opposed to transferring him out. The club, so that means if one, I mean, one of the two players goes, then yes, we'll need to strengthen the front line. But in terms of transfer rumors, we haven't really had any solid rumors for uh, for a striker or forward player in that sense. You now coming back in midfield, uh, Maitland-Niles linked to you know Wolves. Really like to see him stay at the club. You know, as an academy graduate, he's so versatile. He's quick. You know, he wants to play. In, I think his preferred player. His preferred position is in midfield. But he does so well in the wing, I mean, in a wing back role.
1: Yeah, he, he looks like this type of player that can play in definitely multiple positions. And he also has that confidence about him that I think Arsenal does need yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of. So, yeah, I think it would be a, a smart move to try and keep him if they can.
0: Mm, so, elsewhere in midfield, you know, Lucas Torreira, again, I think if they could sell him, I think they would. Shaka. Uh, when he was out of the team, Arsenal didn't really have a midfield, so I think it's imperative that he stays. Uh, Mohamed Al Nani, although he, he was solid yesterday, uh, sorry, not yesterday, on Saturday, he was fairly solid, but it was very uninspiring. I mean, he, he's constantly a six or a seven out of ten kind of player, but he doesn't really you know, go above and beyond that. But, you know, I think if Arsenal could get some money from him, I think they would. Uh, again, Ganduzi. If you can find a buyer for that, definitely they would get rid of him. Who else in midfield? Ceballos, well, I think they would want... I think in an ideal situation, they would get Ceballos back from Real Madrid. But I think that also depends on what Madrid wants to do this season because you know because of COVID-19, their finances are restricted. He might actually stay, even though his relationship with Zidane is a little bit frosty. Um, but that also could be politics about you know wages with Arsenal, how much they're going to pay and all of that. So I think that would go all the way down to the wire. So if he does come in, brilliant, because he played really well in the tail end of last season and was integral in our, in our midfield, actually. Anyone else in midfield? Oh, Joe Willock. I really like Joe Willock. You know, the guy can run for days. So wouldn't want to lose him. Done. When I saw Kolasinac come on, final couple of minutes of the game, I was terrified. <laughs> he strikes fear in me. I mean, he, he's a very muscular guy. It's hard to bundle him off the ball, but he just seems so clumsy now, you know. He's, he's very good when you, you know, you set him off on the wing, he gets all the way down to the byline and he puts a cross in. He's very good at that. But defending, well, questionable. Questionable at defending, so... Just his defending qualities in general, I'd say. <laughs> he, he doesn't strike me with much confidence, and, and I'm very glad that we signed Kieran Tierney. He looks like a proper player.
1: Yeah, he, he does have... Like, he has pace, clearly. Yeah. And he just
0: seems to have, like, those instincts, like, naturally, pretty much. His crossing's pretty good. He gets up and down the touchline, or the byline... Touchline? He gets up and down the touchline you know, really well. And he can play in the back three. And uh, j- just to wrap it off in goalkeepers, we have two really good goalkeepers in Martinez and Leno. Personally, I would keep both of them. But if you really need the money, I think Arsenal would let Martinez go. I think he'd fetch quite a bit of money because from his performances, he's very comfortable on the ball. Distribution, He he's solid. Shot stopping, I think we saw on, uh, on Saturday against Liverpool. You know, very impressive. Uh, Shall we do one more question?
1: Okay, my my question is predictions for next season.
0: What what place is Arsenal finishing? Okay. Uh, On the balance of things right now, uh, considering that the window hasn't closed, all the clubs haven't made their signings just yet, I think it's going to be Liverpool-Man City, first two. Uh, Whichever order, I mean, depends on the signings. But I think it's going to be those two again. Chelsea, definitely in the mix. But I put them... So sorry, so let me let me go through this again. I'd say top three would be Liverpool, Manchester City, and Chelsea. Uh, purely because of the transfers that Chelsea have, have made. I think they're very impressive. You know, Kai Havertz is gonna turn up there. They've just signed Chilwell. Sa has signed for free even though he's going out on loan. He's a very good defender. Who else did they sign? Uh, Oh, Thiago Silva. Well, oh, Thiago Silva. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thiago Silva, they, they do need to replace the defense. I mean, that defense in the FA Cup final was, was sketchy. <laughs> that was sketchy. But yeah, Thiago Silva is going to be solid. Uh, hopefully, I mean, hopefully he turns out like David Luiz, you know, for us. Solid in some games, but loses his head in other games. I really hope that happens. Yeah, so they signed Zayic as well. Again, I mean, if you watch him at Ajax, he's a really good player. Really good player. Uh, and then, Werner? Yeah, he's... I mean, I've seen
1: a couple of training sessions. I know training sessions are yeah. completely different to actual matches, but he looks solid. He looks good. And combining that with Pulisic and how he has developed, yeah. you know, in his time in the, after the restart, especially
0: attacking-wise at least, Chelsea look dangerous. Let's say United sign Sancho. They're definitely the top four. But on the balance of things right now, I think Arsenal could get top four. Because I, I've I seen enough possible. improvement. I, I think it's possible. I think it's... Yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, I think that's my prediction. Right, we have one final question to wrap up this section. What, what do you think would be a successful
1: season for Arsenal next season? What would that look like?
0: Uh, I think there are different criteria for next season. One is definitely we need to give in the Champions League uh, for money, definitely. Just need money. But for me personally, I think success would... Success would mean seeing a more solid defence over the whole season. Concede less, more clean sheets. I think if we, can, if we can get that down, I think that's one of the boxes ticked for success. That's a huge change. We haven't had a solid defence in a long time. Uh, other than that, so Champions League, solid defence. I think success would also include Aubameyang getting the golden boot as well. Although it's an individual award, I think if he can get the golden boot, I think that would be success. And um, hopefully we can end the season with silverware again. You know, FA Cup, we love the FA Cup. FA Cup should be named the Arsenal Cup. I mean, we've won it the most amount of times. Uh, The Carabao Cup, if we could win that, I think that would be pretty good as well. I mean, end of the day, it's silverware. So, yeah, definitely. I think another box to success next season would be winning silverware, whether that be domestic. Win, definitely not winning the league. So, yeah, that those would be my three criteria for success next season. And hopefully we can tick some of them off the box. I mean, tick some of those boxes next season. So, all right. On And on that note, I think we will leave it there for this week. Amil, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can... Where can the listeners find you, Emil?
1: They can find me on Instagram at Emil Bernstein. That's E-M-I-L-B-E-R-N-S-T-E-N. You can also find me on YouTube with basically the same name. And yeah, I, I'm a musician, if, you, if you're interested to know. So you can find my covers and other singing-related videos on those platforms. And uh, assuming that you are an, uh, a Guna Um, all the best for next season. I do hope that, you know, Arsenal has some success.
0: (laughs) Shameless plug. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Shameless plug. (laughs) Of course, from time to time, he will give you his football opinions on Instagram. So check him out. Again, Emil, thank you so much for your time and letting us record in your lovely abode.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one. Bye.
0: Right. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of Gunas of Malaysia. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app, as well as sharing it with your fellow Gunas. And I'll talk to you on the next episode.